Being a new mom is hard. We get it. It's easy to feel alone, but we know that's never how God intended it. So we want to welcome you to The Motherhood. If you need professional parenting advice, clinically proven data, or study-based evidence, please let us know where to find it. Because here at The Motherhood, we focus on sharing experiences, offering encouragement and understanding, but most importantly, friendship. We're here to do motherhood together. Welcome back, everyone, to The Motherhood. I'm Bethany. And I'm Riley. And we are glad you're here today. This is the third part of our Unspokens series, which we have really enjoyed doing and recording and talking about. But admittedly, this one maybe we're not so excited just to be talking about, but are excited to talk about it. And to bring awareness to <laughs> yes. it because yes. it is something that desperately needs to be talked about and mm-hmm. is very much an unspoken. So yes, if you can't already tell by the title, today we are talking about loss and grief in motherhood and um, trigger warning, you know, we are going to talk about things like miscarriage, stillbirth, infant loss, um, and just grief in general. So If maybe now is not the time for you to listen to that, we completely understand. Go ahead and check out another one of our episodes. But we do feel that even if you haven't maybe walked through one of these experiences yourself, um, you most likely know a mom or someone who has. Um, So there will still be something beneficial for you. We're going to talk a lot about how to help friends walk through grief and even again if it isn't grief in terms of losing a child just grief in general I think there's going to be some good stuff about just how we can support and encourage each other in that as well so stick around if you feel comfortable because I think we've got something in it for everybody yes and I'm gonna say unfortunately yeah we have several examples in this episode of people that we know who have walked through things And I'm a firm believer that God gives us our experiences for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And so I really think that the story you're about to hear from me specifically, I experienced because God knows, hey, she's an open book. She's not going to let this be wasted. Mm -hmm. Not that if you don't speak your story, you're wasting. That's not what I mean. But Mm -hmm. like, um, so I don't want to say we're fortunate because it's a very unfortunate thing. Yeah. But hopefully um, having some real life experiences can bring more light to the situation and encourage other people to stop um, holding it in Mm. and freely talk about it more because it is way more common than than I think you realize. Yeah, and I think because it's seen as taboo, that's kind of why not many people are talking about it. And I think we'll dig into that a little bit more, but... Yeah, we're going to let Riley go ahead and share her story and her experience. I should have brought a box of tissues, I feel like. I think there might be some waterworks in this episode, but I'll let you take it away. Okay, you got this. so um, I've mentioned before on the podcast, um, my specific example with loss was miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a very early miscarriage, and I think with that... Um, I struggled because we were trying for this baby. We wanted a family. Mm. Um, We were very fortunate in that we got pregnant very quickly. Um, So I had also come off of birth control, and I felt a lot of guilt with my specific example because I was like, well, if you had been more responsible and Mm. not tried so fast... Maybe the birth control was what caused the miscarriage because my hormones weren't regulated yet. Like, it was literally the first month that came off. Mm -hmm. So, there was a lot of guilt with it that weighed heavy on me. And um, even, you know, more than that, like, I think so many things can go wrong. It could have been the egg. It could have been the sperm. It could have been neither. Mm -hmm. You know, it could have been my womb. It could have been, there's so many different things, but I think as a woman, you feel so much responsibility for that because it's your body. And at the end of the day, I felt like inhospitable. So like, again, Connor never once thought it was me, blamed me or whatever. But I think as women, we put so much pressure on ourselves. Um, but anyways, so yeah, the baby was desperately wanted, prayed for, Mm -hmm. um, I knew that it could take months to conceive. So, we had started 
like before we anticipated to get pregnant thinking it would take some time yeah so when it didn't we were thrilled and um like I said you see those two pink lines on the test and you just get so excited Mm -hmm. and it's just like you're thinking about the nursery you're thinking about the name you're thinking about your future and not one of those thoughts is the baby not making it yeah earthside so anyways um I went in for my checkup at eight weeks and I had not told anybody Mm -hmm. like not even my mom she is also very good at keeping secrets like it was very hard I'll say keeping secrets and not not very that she's very good at lying but (laughs) she's really good at keeping secrets (laughs) anyways um I wanted no I wanted the um selfishly I wanted the picture the ultrasound and that's how I was going to tell people was by putting the ultrasound in the announcements and everything so um anyways I mean, I didn't really have any symptoms. I mean, obviously, I missed my period, mm-hmm. and I would have, like, food aversions. I wasn't, like, I never actually threw up, but if I could smell, like, breakfast meat cooking, I would run to the bathroom yeah. and, like, gag, but never Dry heave. Up. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, so, I had that. Um, I had a little bit of fatigue, but, I mean, in early pregnancy, you really don't have symptoms that are that much different than a period anyway. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. So, I go to this appointment, and... Um, the doctor is like, I don't see a heartbeat. Mm. He was asking how far along I was. Maybe it's possible that my tracking is just off and I had the wrong ovulation date or whatever the case may be. Can I ask a quick question? Yeah. So I know you got the positive pregnancy test. Did they do like a blood test or anything before the ultrasound? You know, they didn't. They okay. they drew my blood. Okay. But, and they Just did a maybe urine didn't get sample. the result. Okay. They did the well, urine they, sample, okay. yeah. Okay. So that was yeah. like where they got the positive. Okay, And then they gotcha. drew my blood after the ultrasound. But probably don't get, yeah, results check. and stuff. Like, yeah. yeah, whatever. So, again, they confirmed the pregnancy through the urine mm-hmm. sample. Mm-hmm. And the baby was on the monitor. So, or yeah. I guess at that point, what is the, is it an embryo at that point? Should know. Yeah, we're not the best at the term, so forgive us if we mislabel Regardless, something. Regardless, <laughs> it was a baby. Yeah, nonetheless. And so he said, what we're going to do is check your progesterone, your estrogen levels, all those fun things, and then we'll see you back in a couple days, and we're going to see if it doubled, because if it doubled, you know, that's a good sign. Yeah. You could just be earlier than we thought. Yeah. So I'm boohooing. Because um, you're probably already kind of worried. And, well, actually, like, you know. I'll have you know, I, I held it together in the office. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember going to my mom, and um, we told her that night, because Connor's the only one that knew, and um, yeah, I was like, at this point, I need your support and your love yeah. and encouragement yeah. more than I need to surprise, surprise. you with good news. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we went back to the doctor a couple days later, and my mom was with me instead of Connor. We were not planning to get a scan, but my mom knows several, my mom used to work for an OB, um... And so she knows a lot of the same people. Yeah. And she was like, hey, could we just go back for one more scan to check for a heartbeat? Like, she's really paranoid. And we would love it if we could know one way or the other. Because it was just supposed to be labs to see if my numbers had doubled. And so he was like, oh, yeah, we can do that. No problem. He was very nice about that. So we go back. And lo and behold, he finds a heartbeat. And so I just remember, like, now I'm crying tears of joy. Because it's like, but God, you know? Yeah, yeah. this is just going to be a crazy miracle story. My yeah. God has done it. Like, yeah. praise the Lord. And so, at this point, I'm excited. Now, he is very, um, what's the word? Like, I don't want to say hesitant, but he mm-hmm. made sure to let me know, like, hey, it's still really early. I'm not saying things are going to go wrong, but they still can. The fact that this baby should be 10 weeks by this point um, is a little alarming because mm-hmm. it's it's not measuring 10 weeks it's measuring more like six um the heartbeat literally just started so just be mindful that things can still happen mm-hmm. and I'm like you don't know my god yeah. like you know yeah. like I don't think you know what he just did but okay I got you you know and um I'm not trying to make light of it but I was very optimistic yeah. I was like okay it's behind us you mm-hmm. know um so then I guess I come back a couple weeks later I guess just to check on the status or because at that point two weeks later I guess I should be eight weeks or you know however mm-hmm. I forget exactly the timing my brain was so overwhelmed in that yeah. moment that I can't really accurately tell you all the times but I go back again and um 
that's when he was like, and this time's Connor's with me. It's supposed yeah. to be exciting because yeah. Connor's going to see the baby for the first time for real. And um, again, he was like, I'm so sorry. I'm not seeing a heartbeat. And this time it was probably five seconds, five to 10 seconds, but it felt like an eternity. And I knew what he was going to say before yeah. he said it. Cause he put his hand on my thigh and I was like, oh, oh. you don't need to say anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so we leave and I'm distraught. Cause at this point I've told my close family, not like I hadn't put it on Facebook or anything, but like mm-hmm. I told you guys our close yeah. friends, my family, because I was so thrilled that God had, redeemed it like you know Mm -hmm. god gave this baby a heartbeat i knew that he was gonna do you know and i i mention all that because i think and i think it's normal and i'm not bashing any mom that feels this way um but i think we have we put so much pressure on god not that he feels the pressure Mm -hmm. but like i don't know i just think we can always blame god and i'm not gonna lie and say i didn't yeah i wondered all the time like this is terrible of me please forgive me for saying this but like you see people who are less than kind to their babies and maybe don't treat their babies very sweetly. And, Mm -hmm. like, it's so easy to be like, God, why do they get a baby? Yeah. Like, why does this... I could could out-mom her, and that sounds terrible. Forgive me for saying that. Well, this is is the unspoken. This is raw. This is real. And so you start comparing yourself and, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. My, My world's shattered and crumbled. And because even though the baby was only measuring six weeks and it still measured six... So it did not make it very long after I left the doctor that day. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, this has been a 10-week pregnancy. Yeah. So I'm a fourth of the way done yeah. in my head. Already you know? like so invested right. emotionally and physically and yeah. everything. And after we got the heartbeat, I mean, I'm thinking of baby names. I'm mm-hmm. planning a gender reveal. Like, like I said, I'm past it. And so um, that all happened. And I remember being incredibly upset and... My options were, number one, I could take a pill that would induce a miscarriage. I mean, mm-hmm. a, um, like flush it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other option was to let my body, let the baby pass naturally. And the third option was a DNC. And this is where I have some problems with the doctor because he made it very clear that the DNC was not necessary for me. Mm-hmm. As much as I didn't want a DNC... We were also getting out of school for spring break. Mm-hmm. So I was like, if I get this procedure, it's over in that it is officially removed from me and I can heal, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I don't even like the terms that I'm using because it sounds like I didn't want it so there. So just, just so medical in a sense. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and when you get a DNC, the correct terminology, like I was billed for a suction abortion. Mm-hmm. And I cannot tell you, like, I'm sweating talking about it because it, it makes me angry. Yeah, yeah. Because that word abortion does not have the connotation of a miscarriage. I remember leaving the hospital that day um, because I did go with the DNC. Um, that way I'd have my whole spring break to mm-hmm, heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember leaving the hospital and it kind of like, it burned a little and it was very uncomfortable mm-hmm. and I was bleeding a ton. Um, and I just remember being in the wheelchair, being wheeled out. And I'm just thinking, Mm -hmm. I can't believe people do this by choice. And Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry if what I'm saying offends anyone. I don't mean it to be offensive, but I was very mad in that Mm -hmm. moment because Mm -hmm. I would have given anything to not have that procedure done. Yeah. Anyways. Um, and from there I became a hermit. Like I did Mm -hmm. not want to leave the bed. I just wanted to lay there and cry, and um, that's where we kind of get into the walking through with grief. Yeah. I've said this before, Bethany is such a, um, I don't know if this is like a compliment, I mean it, it is, but <laughs> you are such a great friend to have for walking through grief, because Bethany helped me in ways that I didn't know I needed help. Mm. So for example, um, she and then a few of our other friends were all, were all together together. Um, we were supposed to be getting together for a night of like, we were watching like a movie or having dinner. I forget what we were doing. We were supposed to get together. Mm -hmm. Obviously Connor and I were no longer feeling up for that. Yeah. And so they band together, they bought a meal and they literally dropped it off at our doorstep and left. And so I don't know about you. I think everybody's kind of individualized in that moment. We just needed to be alone with each other. Mm. Um, 
And that was just like the huge, the biggest blessing because we were fed. Um, we didn't have the pressure of hosting or talking about it. I mean, even like to come to the door and see your face and just cry and hug you like that was too much. Mm, yeah. Um, but in time we have healed from that. We've kind of, um, I don't want to say you like move on, but you like learn to live with it, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and so I guess that's the story in a nutshell. Um, yeah. I will say that experiencing that definitely altered my pregnancy with Indy because I wasn't, I didn't allow myself to feel excitement when I saw the the positive test. Because now you're just so worried and on edge. It's a matter of time. Yeah. 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 And when I went for her first ultrasound, we actually had a family friend do one, like a bonus one, because I told her, I was like, if there's not a heartbeat, I need to process this in private. I can't go, I actually switched not even doctors, but complete practices. Yeah. Like I just needed a fresh start. Yeah. Well, I want to circle back on something you said earlier, um, kind of before you told your story, you know, you were talking about how you just kind of had a lot of guilt, kind of like blamed yourself, which, you know, I, I personally haven't walked through that, through that experience, but I imagine that one of the reasons it is so taboo is because a lot of women feel like their bodies have failed like you Mm -hmm. you think of a woman you think of a mom and you're like okay the the primary goal responsibility there is to grow a baby inside of you in a sense yes exactly so I can imagine and I know just hearing from other people with similar experiences is that the guilt that you feel and the blame that you have on yourself like my body failed my baby um and it kind of just made me think like you know you were talking about I don't even, you mentioned something about Connor too. And I'm like, again, I know that women are the ones with the wombs, but like they're to hear someone go through a miscarriage. You, I think everyone, again, just kind of not that I'm sorry, I'm stumbling on my words, but not that society blames the women, but you automatically think, Oh, there must've been something wrong with the woman. Right. You know, it's Mm -hmm. never like, I don't know, the male sperm or something, even with like infertility and stuff, it's always usually blamed on the woman or in even sense. the baby I mean they yeah. can have which I mean I guess it's technically your DNA but like so much can go wrong in a pregnancy and so much has to go right to For result it. in a baby yeah. so that was definitely a huge eye-opener like now when I see a baby I'm like do you understand what a big deal you are yeah. like yeah do you know what all had to align not even well but perfectly yeah for that life to be here like it's a huge deal yeah they really are miracles. Yeah, truly, um, truly every life is a miracle. But yeah, maybe, um, I don't know, would you maybe mind talking a little bit about, a little bit more about kind of what was helpful to you, maybe what was not so helpful, maybe just like you and Connor, both of your experiences walking through kind of the healing journey and stuff. I know you're still in that process, I'm sure, but uh, just no, that I journey. mean, I've, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you ever fully healed from it, but you yeah. learn to live with it mm-hmm. and you learn to... Um, I guess in my mind, I'm like, the more that I bring attention to it and talk about it, the bigger of a purpose this baby serves, you know? Um, But, so, um, one of the first things I want to say, though, is that I also, um, before I was so open about it, I did post about it on social media, and I went back and forth on that because I was like, I don't want attention. This is not, oh, Coddle Riley, she lost a baby. It's no we need to talk about this because mm-hmm. I know I'm not alone. They say one in four women, but like you, you don't feel like one in four. You feel like one in a million. Yeah. You know, like you literally feel so alone. And so I wanted to bring awareness more than, you know, attention, obviously mm-hmm. like attention for me. But, um, I felt a lot of guilt being so distraught mm. over such an early miscarriage because people miscarry at, 12 weeks women miscarry at you know 16 weeks and I was just like your baby was a speck Mm -hmm. but again I go back to the bible verse where it's like before you were formed in your mother's womb I knew you Mm. and so I still very much believe that was a baby already it had a heartbeat so if you measure by heartbeat it was also a baby like there's just I don't know um over time And even sometimes I do feel a little bit guilty still, like, almost like I'm not worthy of having a lost story because it was so early. Mm -hmm. I think about people, I have a, um, a friend that I went to school with and 
sadly, she had a um, stillborn at, like, 36 weeks. And I'm like, now that's a lost story. Mm. But I'm reminding myself because I do think that's also the enemy trying to keep me from sharing my story. Um, But, again, I have to remind myself that, like, my pain is valid. Yeah, And a loss is a loss. Not, Not to say that, you know, my baby didn't have a known gender it didn't have a name there was no nursery set up that I never got to bring it Mm -hmm. home to but Mm -hmm. I mean we still love that baby and we're celebrating that baby and then lost that baby and yeah and that whole future yeah so anyways um this is also to say that if you are someone similar to me like you don't have to feel like you're invalid because Mm. your baby was not looking like a baby yeah you know um but on to the good and Helpful, unhelpful, stuff like that. Um, I want to start out by saying I feel like everyone who says anything, I feel like their intentions are so pure. I think what happens is sometimes when you're talking about something as personal as a loss, I think it's easy to kind of word vomit something that does not help. You kind of maybe like in a panic, awkward phase or just like trying to think of things to say because you don't know what to say. (laughs) Or things that you've heard, like, you know. Yeah. I'm going to go back to our advice where it's like, sleep when the baby sleeps. Like, you just kind of repeat things that you've heard other people say. And so, you know, obviously things like, well, at least you were early on. That was a big, like... That's not helpful. That almost takes a mom's pain and makes it feel invalid. Yeah. Like, you have no reason to be upset because your baby was only measuring six weeks. You know, like, it's not like you lost in the third trimester, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that, that didn't really help. And luckily, I didn't get that very much. One thing that was really hard for me is I was still teaching at the time. Like I said, it was spring break. And when we got back from spring break, I teach third grade. And this is one thing that, like, being so open does not help with. Yeah. Um, I posted about it on Facebook and just kind of brought attention to the topic. And I don't know how. Um, I assume it was through a parent that I had friended on social media. But a little boy came into school and was telling his peers like oh miss white lost her baby or mm, which tough. lost a baby because not nobody at work even knew people yeah. found out about my pregnancy through the miscarriage yeah. post and so um I remember like bawling and I had to leave my room and I didn't go back to my room that day and that leads to something that really helped me it was a community of people who let me grieve and they let me feel And they let, like that day, my academic coach um, put me in her office and she said, you take the time that you need. Don't go out until you're ready. And when you do go out, you're going to your car because you're going home today. We already have you a sub. Mm. And it was just like, there was no, I didn't even make lesson plans. My team rallied around and said, I'm making copies. We got this. You're going home. So I think the freedom to grieve Mm. was a huge help. Mm. And people not necessarily being like, There was no timeline. It's not like, well, you should be over it by now. Or because going back to work was the first time I'd left my house really in like that whole week. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's just, I don't know. I feel like it gives you an identity of like the mother who experienced loss instead of like, Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I just felt like wherever I was, was people saw broken me. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. It just, it was rough. But, um. Yeah, just the freedom to grieve was huge because I do think that it is important to acknowledge and to feel your feelings. And, um, you know, you literally go through, it's like the seven stages of grief. Mm -hmm. Like, you literally go through that. Sometimes you're mad. Sometimes you're just heartbroken. And, yeah, so just, like, little comments that are, you know, cliche. You know, those, I think the intention is pure. And they try to make you feel better and maybe don't even realize that they're saying it. But things, you know, like I said earlier, yeah. well, at least you were earlier. You guys can always try again. You can again. always have another, yeah, right? Like yeah. And, I mean, we had Indy. I have yeah. another. And now that I have her, I can't imagine not having her. However, I still think about that first baby mm-hmm. and, like, what he or she would have been, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. um, we still honored the due date and just, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's just, it's hard. And it's it's always going to be hard. And it doesn't matter if... Thankfully, knock on wood, I've only experienced one miscarriage. I know some women go through many, many, and it doesn't get easier, Mm -hmm. you know? And I know, like, I mean, I'm sure, like, the food thing helps. I know, like, that's kind of a typical one or cliche Mm -hmm. one is, like, oh, meals. But I'm sure there are days and nights you didn't feel like cooking. You didn't have the emotional energy and strength. But, again, not to be, like, I'm going to bring a meal over and I want to see you and I want to talk to you. But I think just being sensitive to, like, 
people's time and space in the way that they grieve kind of like you said like as much as you probably if you have a friend or someone you know you probably want to go and comfort them and hug them and love on them um you know sometimes they just need space and you need to wait for the right time in order to do that and it's also understanding that there are people who help and there are people like okay my sister came over a lot and she would literally come over and cry with me mm-hmm. and she brought me a little like gift basket and it had like comfy clothes and all my favorite like food and candy mm-hmm. in it and she was like look I know that this like, I know that this doesn't really help but I had to do something yeah. I, I can't imagine and she was like you are literally one of the most perfect people I know and I, I said that not to brag but yeah, to be like yeah. she was like you are literally one of the most perfect per- people I know and I can't understand why this is happening to you yeah yeah. and I was like well God doesn't waste anything so I know that there is a reason it's really hard to see it but there is one yeah and so just having people that like I mean I had greasy hair probably Mm -hmm. hadn't changed my pajamas in a (laughs) few days and like I don't know it was just like she was also super and of course my mom Mm -hmm. um she and my mom were both really good about like being there to, for me to talk when I need to, but also not letting me necessarily dwell in it yeah. if I could come out of it, you know, yeah. like my yeah. mom got me out in the sun, mm. you know, so. And just because obviously you and I have already talked about this story and walked through it together, um, I wanted to mention about how when you did post on Facebook, how many people, right, reached out to you and said, oh, yeah. I walked through the same thing or, you know, what was that like? Honestly, incredibly comforting. Yeah. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because sometimes when I get in the middle of my stories, I, like, forget all the things that I want to say. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so much to be said. But, um, yeah, so what surprised me was, number one, how many women have been Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. and how, honestly, how willing they all were to come forward with it and to help you and to, like, a really good friend of mine actually sent me a devotional. Um, It was called Grieving the Child You Never Met. And now it's, like that really resonated with me and so now it's something I like to send people and um it's something that people I think are hesitant to talk about because they don't want to get the they don't want to relive it they don't want to get the pity party like where Mm. everybody's like oh bless your heart you know like um but people definitely just poured out love and support in the comments and um then I got some private messages too Mm -hmm. from people who were like look I'm still not ready to publicly share yeah um I may never be but this happened to me too and whatever. And the really cool part is a lot of the people who reached out, we have actually since had successful pregnancies Mm. and we got Mm -hmm. to walk through pregnancy together and like we check on each other and it's almost like it's a terrible club to be part of, but you immediately bond with someone. Yeah, It's like when you meet a new mom and you immediately bond over motherhood and it's like, oh, she gets the struggle. She gets the the you know highs and the lows and it was just like that only like a a club you really don't want to be part of but yeah it's like you um I don't know like you just literally immediately bond with people over this and and I think like every mom I don't want to say wants to jump on the opportunity but especially a mom who's walked through that I mean I'm sure for those moms that reached out to you too you know they're they're wanting to you know share their purpose and what they've walked through, you know? And that's like, if you meet another mom who's had a similar story, you can be like, Hey, I know exactly what you're going through. And that almost gives you process too, and helps gives you process, um, gives you purpose too, and helps you process. Um, and like just continuing to help people and like that story has a little bit more purpose when you get to walk through it with someone who's been through it as well. Yeah, and it definitely, like, kind of in a weird way brought me closer to God. Mm -hmm. I say in a weird way because I think depending on the person, it can also push you from him. And I had experienced feelings that I had never felt toward him before because, um, fortunately, my life has been pretty, pretty positive up until this point. And so it was the first time I ever really, like... Maybe, like, struggled with him in a sense. Yeah, yeah. It's like I didn't ever doubt him, and I knew he had a plan, but it's... It's very much like, I know that this is part of your your plan, but help me make sense of it yeah, because it's yeah. it's not clicking for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now it's really neat to 
be on the other side and like now almost I don't know it's almost like a, a ministry in a way yeah like yeah I don't know is that the right word yeah yeah and I mean I think God I mean that's kind of the point of our testimonies like is to share them so that you know there are stories that show and shine the light of God and his love. Um, so like sharing your testimony, all the more just shares your faithfulness. And again, might not have been the outcome that you wanted, but truly there was a purpose in that. And I know even saying that, like I know some people, like someone goes through a loss and people are just like, everything happens for a reason mm-hmm. or there's a purpose. And sometimes that is not what you need to hear or right. tell someone right away. I'm sure you can relate, but I mean, I, I am a firm believer that, you know, truly things do happen for a reason. And somebody said something to me the other day, hopefully I'm getting these names right. But, um, you know, it was a short, the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And it was talking about how, you know, they had to go into the fire for the king to see God. And it was just talking about like, you know, sometimes things aren't always about you. You know, like sometimes it can be used for someone else. And again, I'm not saying mama out there, you lost your child. Oh, it's not about you. You lost your child so that somebody else could see God. I mean, maybe so. Again, I just mean that like, our stories can be used to bring other people closer to God. And no, so, for sure. And I think that's when my sister was like, I don't understand what this is happening to you. I'm like, I do because I'll use it. Yeah. Like a lot of people will sit down and keep it, you know, like pent up in their heart. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not me. Yeah. I'm a talker. Yeah. And so, um, Again, I just believe we have our experiences for a purpose. And I think my purpose in walking through that is to help other people who are there. Mm-hmm. And um, one last thing before we wrap up my story. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just so long-winded. We but um, if you have someone who is going through whatever kind of loss or whatever kind of grief it may be, even if it's not related to motherhood, mm-hmm. even if like they lose a parent or a friend or whoever, um, it's okay to like reach out to that person and be like, I don't know what you're going mm-hmm. through, but I can give you all of my sympathy. I can only imagine. Um, and just to say like, how can I help you? Because I think so many people don't know what to say. And so they don't. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like keep a log of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe so-and-so didn't call me and check on me. But it's a really weird thing to feel. Yeah. And I imagine it's a really weird thing for a friend to be like, how do I support her yeah. when I don't know what she's going through? And at least for me, I don't know if this is applicable to every woman out there, but like, you can ask, like, hey, what would be helpful for you in this time? Do you need to be alone? Do you need a friend? Do you need a meal? Do you need me to leave you alone until I reach, until you reach out to me? Yeah. You know, yeah. like for me, that was totally acceptable too. Yeah. Like, it's just yeah. like, I, I love you. I can't imagine. But with that being said, how can I help? Yeah. You yeah. know, but yeah, I love it. And again, that's just something for us to, really learn and remember how to walk through grief with other people. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, And just walking back through that, I hope, and I'm confident that, you know, even getting to share it now, again, still kind of helps you process things and gives that sweet baby's life purpose. Well, thank you for giving me a place to share because (laughs) it's something that I don't like to talk about. Mm -hmm. But I like to bring awareness to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with my um, miscarriage story, um, you have actually, that was what the, that was the second time you walked through someone close to you with grief. Bethany has walked this walk <laughs> three times, thrice. 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 Well, with with other people. Um, and I think I have, I have a few stories of close friends and family to share, but I think that was part of what kind of allowed me to 
walk so closely with you through that was having gone through it with a family member and even just hearing from them what helped, what didn't help, help, and being able even to reach out to them and be like, hey, what are kinds of things I can do to help? What, you know, what can I do? So that was part of the reason why, in a sense, I was able to thankfully walk with you so well through that. But I want to start first with um, a story from a dear, dear, dear friend um, who recently walked through a stillbirth with her daughter. um, And I just kind of reached out to her, obviously, with approval and asked, you know, hey, I'm not going to share the full story and everything. What I really would just love to share with people is how, and this is still very fresh and still very new, um, but was how you're healing, like how this journey is looking for you right now, and more specifically, like prayers people can be praying for someone who has walked through a loss. Um, So I'm literally just going to kind of read out some stuff that she shared with me. Um, And again, this is just more so to be like, here are some things that you all can do to help a friend to walk with someone through this. So um, one specific prayer request that she shared with my friend group was... um, was that you can be praying for her marriage or your friend's marriage, you know, if if they're in a marriage relationship. But she gave us a crazy statistic that 75% of marriages um, that lose a child end in divorce. Oh, wow. 75% of marriages end in divorce if they lose a child. So I know she reached out to, again, just our friend group and said, the spiritual warfare is real. Um, pray that as grief starts to mold into different ways that we would understand each other. So again, if you've got a friend in a marriage relationship, one way that you can be helping is definitely praying over the marriage, praying over that protection. Um, Even just, I know they took like a weekend away shortly after just time to spend um, with themselves. And so maybe offering you know, when they're ready, like, hey, can I pay for dinner a night out with you all? But also maybe just thinking of ways to invest in the marriage, because I feel like that's maybe not something everyone thinks of right away. I also love that she pointed out it starts to mold itself in different ways, Mm -hmm. because that's something I didn't even think to share and not to make it back about me. No, no, but... But I definitely learned that Connor and I process grief differently. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there were definitely times where both of us would struggle together, but, um, you know, for me, I would catch myself like, how is he going on with life? Yeah. And he was probably thinking, how is she still in that dark place? You know, like, not that he was out of it, but we just process it differently. Yeah. And I love that she brought that up because the whole understanding each other like that. Yeah. Well, that's just, that's a good Good quote. Good yeah. point. I think I recall even you sharing that, you know, I think Connor's like a little bit more of a busy body in mm-hmm. a sense. So, you know, he probably wanted to stay busy. He has to distract himself. Yes. And yes. I had to feel it. Yes. Whereas you're, you know, like, I just need to sulk in bed. And mm-hmm. that probably comes across differently to both of you. So, yes, just also understanding the grieving process, not even only in a marriage, but just, you know, in a friendship or anything, understanding that everybody grieves differently. Um, So again, mentioning that because you can definitely be praying over a marriage if that is the case. Um, And then I know she asked for specific prayers for direction for her. Um, So as you can imagine, she said, I really feel like my purpose and identity that I was preparing for was ripped underneath of me. Um, She said she's still a mom and she's still a wife, but there's just such a big hole in her life to fill. Um, She had given up so much to prepare to be present for both of her children at home. Again, she already had a two-year-old at the time. She had quit her job, was preparing to just stay at home with both of her kids. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as you can imagine, it's hard in like every sense of the loss. Um, She said, I feel like I'm reinventing myself. Um, She has recently taken to furniture flipping as a hobby, and I definitely think is a way for her to heal. But she said... So as silly as furniture flipping randomly is, I keep thinking about making old things new and how the Lord is doing that to me, whether I like it or not. Mm. He's restoring me just like he restored my daughter. Um, so 
I mean, I just think that's beautiful. But just to see how, you know, she's almost in this place of having to reinvent herself, find her new purpose. The Lord is doing so much in her um, and through her. And I know she also shared with me um, that she said, yes, prayers are so perfect. God's veil and hand over us through everyone's prayers was so evident clearly in those first few weeks and even now when it's been a few months. Um, she said, I've never felt prayer in God's hand of protection so clearly than in those dark moments. She also suggested that at appropriate times, asking someone how they really are has been the okay for her to divulge information and more information if she wanted to. So kind of like you mentioned, like presenting, like, I think it's okay to present someone with like, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. And if they feel so led to open up more deeply, they will. Um, but I think it's fine to like present that opportunity of, hey, how are you doing? If you feel like you want to just word vomit and cry all over me, I'm here for it. And I feel like there's a pressure to like be quote unquote better by a certain point. And it's like people expect you to move on and it's like you can't, yeah. you know, because like that's such a huge piece of you. Mm -hmm. The final piece she said was, Again, kind of like what you said, as a friend, be okay with no response back. If you send a text and it's not responded to, it's not something offensive, it's probably just a bad day. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, if you are the friend reaching out to someone who is grieving, and I think it's still okay to reach out and they're going to respond if they feel like they've got the mental space and capacity and everything to do so. Um, just a few other things that she mentioned in her experience was, I know she said one thing that was really hard for her to hear, or I guess didn't help was that people kept telling her you're doing so well. And she said, I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. Yeah. She just said that was one thing that was not helpful to hear at all. Um, and then I know like a few things that our friend group had done for her was, um, you know, obviously meal trains and stuff like that are super helpful. Um, we took one of the flower arrangements from her funeral and did like a flower press thing into a frame for her to hang in the house. They also made like a Christmas ornament out of the flowers. So sweet. Um, we are going to be purchasing flowers to put at her grave site. So I don't know, just like little sentimental things like that, mm -hmm. that, um, I know meant a lot to her, um, Kind of honors that baby too. Yeah. Like, hey, we haven't forgotten. We're yes. here with you. Yes. Um, and then, um, again, as she said, just above all, prayer was truly just a really helpful thing. And I know she said they just felt the prayer so much. Um, and there was a lot of ways that God intervened and answered prayers for her. But yeah, um, again, just shout out to this strong mama for letting us kind of share some of her story. Um, and just the ways, again, that she said things that were helpful for her and weren't helpful for her and just specific ways that you can be praying over a friend. Um, so we've got one more little story that we're going to share. Um, again, just trying to, in a sense, encircle a lot of different stories of loss and stories of grief. This one um, hits even a little closer to home for me. So back in 2018, we lost my niece, Carmen, when she was just seven months old. Um, so I'm going to share a little bit about my sister-in-law's experience. Again, obviously this one hits a little closer to home just because um, a family member, but I mostly just leaned into my sister-in-law, wanted to hear her perspective, especially as a mother. Um Carmen was born a little bit early, but um, there was really no issues or trouble with the pregnancy or anything. But when she was born, they found out she had a genetic mutation um, where basically her heart did not pump enough blood um, to the rest of her body correctly. Um, so as just like a little newborn baby, and she was only like three pounds when she was born, I think. Um, but she had a undergo multiple open heart surgeries, just this tiny little thing. So um, she spent 194 days in the PICU. So 194 days of her total 232 day life. So a lot of her life was spent in the hospital. For this story, we will have names because yeah. we have permission and everything. But um, the mother, Sydney, 
she knows it down to the day. Yeah, yeah. And I just think that goes to show you, like... Every day mattered. Yes, (laughs) and every day was counted, and she can tell you exactly how long she was Mm -hmm. here, and I bet she has those dates engraved in her brain and in her heart, and, like, you know, like, I can't tell you how many days Indy's been alive, but it's, like, I don't know. You know, like, it, it just... She has numbers. That's mm-hmm. how how deep this yeah. hits and how yeah. special and important it is, you mm-hmm. know? So it's just like, I, I the get details. chills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she spent 194 days in the PICU and then was able to come home um, and was home for a little while before they kind of ran into more complications. She had to go back to the hospital. Um, there ended up being some issues with her intestines and a few other things. Um, and... In the end, she passed away at 232 days of life. Um, And I'm kind of obviously giving very much the brief description of this. Um, And I think all along kind of there was this doubt. Like they did not know how long she was going to live. Honestly, I don't think they even expected her to make it past a few days. Um, They thought, you know, if she did, she was probably not going to be able to walk, probably not going to be able to talk anyways. Um... She made it seven months, and I think that was more than anyone had really expected. Um, Can I ask another question? mm -hmm. Were they thinking that she was going to recover and have a normal life at that point, or had they been told that it would basically be a roller coaster for the duration of her life? I mean, they knew for sure that, like, health-wise, it would be a roller coaster. Again, they kind of, like, expected that she, again, probably wouldn't be able to walk, wouldn't be able to talk. There would definitely be some disabilities there. Um, I do think that when they got home, you know, that was such a blessing. And I think we were all just so hopeful. That was such an improvement, um, such a leap and a bound, just being able to go home. Um, And even when she was home, I mean, she was hooked up to machines, had all sorts of just, you know, uh, medications and things. Sydney was basically an around the clock nurse, Mm -hmm. you know, and at times they had to have actual nurses come and check on her and everything. So, um, again, it wasn't like normal life by any means. Um, but yes, so ultimately she did end up passing away, um, after seven months of life. And so again, just wanting to share her experience as, you know, she was born and Sydney got to spend 232 days with her, um, before she passed away. So I asked Sydney um, just if there were a few things that she wanted to share, again, specifically about ways to help or not help people walking through grief. Um, And I am literally just going to read again what she told me. because She has such a beautiful way of bringing awareness. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, hey, here this is and here's my story and whatever. Like she... It's just like a fountain of wisdom, and yeah. she just is such has such grace and purpose in her words. And I'm gonna stop and let you read them, but like, <laughs> no, all that to say, you 100% should read from the screen so that we get everything yeah. as she said it. <laughs> and I should mention that um, we'll probably share some resources and stuff in our show notes. If you are interested in hearing the rest of Carmen's story, there is so much, so much to it. Um, but I will say that while Sydney was in the hospital with Carmen, she felt just this big, strong urge to literally like celebrate every day because truly every day was a celebration because mm-hmm. they didn't know what day would be her last. So while she was in the hospital, she just like felt this calling and this pressure to in any way that she could celebrate Carmen, celebrate her days for a long time, Carmen couldn't even wear clothes, but as soon as she got to wear clothes, Sydney was Aww. making little outfits and doing little photo shoots and all this. But ultimately, that led Sydney to now start a nonprofit organization called Carmen's Miracle Makers, where she helps other families to celebrate and bond with their children while they're in the hospital, NICU, PICU, everything. So she's kind of now made it her mission to help families do the same and again, help families to celebrate the little miracles in their lives. Um, So I should just preface that she has gone on to do this and gone on to do amazing things. But um, when I asked her just about her experience with grief and loss, she said, it's a part of motherhood and does not need to be segregated for lost moms alone. It's all a part of motherhood, even loss. That doesn't take you out of the question, excuse me, it doesn't take you out of the equation 
Just because you don't have a physical child on earth, you are still that child's mother, always and forever, and you continue on loving your child the best way you know how to, just like your earthly children. Um, So I know for her, she just talked a lot about how, and I think this is why it's kind of also such a taboo thing, is that like you're in this club of motherhood together, like you meet like once you get pregnant, you know, you're like, you join the mom groups and the mom pages on Facebook and all these things. And you're just like living out motherhood with other people. But then the second you lose your child, you're kind of automatically like excluded from those clubs because it's like, now you're in this own club of like a lost mom, you know? And, um, you know, she just goes on to say like how alone she felt in that. And I'll touch more on that here in a little bit. And, like, the first Mother's Day after loss is really yeah, rough. Because, like yeah. Sydney said, you are a mother, but, like, you just feel so not yeah. at the same time. Or yeah. you are a mother, but, like, in a totally different way. Yeah. And your story yeah. is just different. And it's, like, I don't know. But I just yeah. I really resonated with that part, too. Because, again, you are a mother. Your baby is just not Earthside. And yeah. Yeah. And so... Within that, like, I asked her, you know, like, so how would you, you know, best support and encourage a mom and things like that? And um, I love what she said. She said, I would encourage, you know, a mother who's walked through loss the same exact way that you encourage a mom that, you know, still has her children down here on earth. So um, she said just you would encourage them just like, again, we do with our children living on earth right now. We take it day by day, moment by moment. Mm-hmm. We just try to do our best as much as we can. And that's what, you know, mothers walking through loss are doing too. And um, every day is different. Every day brings new challenges. Again, every day is going to look different. Um, so it's the same, you know, for a mother who's lost her children as it is for a mother who still has children. And like you said, And like Sydney said, you know, you are still a mom to that child always and forever. Um, I know it's different and sad that you no longer have them here on earth with you, but like you are still that child's mother and that's not going to change. And you can still love that child while you're here on earth. Um, And I think that's going to look different for everybody, but they're, you know, and I think that's part of the grief journey too, is that like you said, you know, for you, it was you know, maybe posting on Facebook and sharing your story. I know Sydney said she knows moms who have like up and moved countries and started businesses. Sydney started a nonprofit, but then, you know, she also knows moms who maybe have not like made it public, but have started a little garden for their child in their backyard. And like, Mm -hmm. she just emphasized that it's going to look different for every person. Um, And so, the way that people might love their child who isn't earthside again just might look different for every person but every mom should be encouraged to still do that while she's here on earth in a way that she feels is best for them yeah are you tracking with me (laughs) like i talked in circles um and so a few other things i just want to mention that she said um again she said we should remove the visual of how it should look for mothers who have experienced a loss again it shouldn't be kind of like this stereotype that we put on them for how they should like honor their child or you know live out their child's life in a sense um I know that she was told from time to time that um that like what she was doing with the nonprofit and everything was just her being in denial and that people thought you know, Carmen's life truly wasn't a miracle. And so people just like didn't believe in what she was doing. Okay. (laughs) All of that to say. Things you don't say. I know. Yes. uh, The internet can be so rude. All that to say though, she mentioned that because it's all in the eye of the beholder. You know, people look at what she's doing and they see that as like, wait, you're not supposed to be doing this. This isn't right. Your child died. How is that a miracle? But like, so it's, it's, beauty in the sense is in the eye of the beholder. So everyone's going to want to put this stereotype on how you should be dealing with it, how you should be handling it. And okay, it's going to look different. she's being gracious and nice. <laughs> I'm about to lose my Jesus for a second because I have you. secondhand offense to that. I'm like, the nerve. People on the internet are 
cruel, cruel. Um, and one other thing I wanted to ask her again, since she has gone on to like start this nonprofit and Carmen did in a sense, you know, have a life outside of the womb. I wanted to ask her cause I kind of feel like this is maybe a little bit taboo too, but I asked her, so how it's given her such a purpose, you know, now she's helping families, she's helping other children, she's running a nonprofit, doing all the things. Um, and I said, I asked her, so like, what does that look like for a mom who has miscarriage or who has walked through a stillbirth where maybe there's not life outside the womb? So like, how does a mother find purpose in that? If you're getting what I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, you know, she struggled with that question a lot too, um, because it's, yeah, it almost feels like I know she has even walked through other mothers who have had stillbirths and things and, you know, they just feel like, well, did this life really have purpose, you know, um, which every life does. And yes, and I think it's okay to struggle with that. But one thing I love that she said was sometimes it takes looking at all the little pieces of good in that child's life, even inside the womb. And when you look at all of those little pieces together, then it starts to look like one really big, good piece. So just like, again, that life had purpose. Um, I know my friend who walked through the stillbirth, we just shared her story a minute ago, but at the funeral, they she shared about what pregnancy was like with her daughter and oh. said, I want you to get to know my daughter a little bit more, told stories about her inside the womb and everything. And I know that just touched my heart so much because it is still a life and it has a purpose and there was story and there was relation and everything. So, but I know that can be kind of, again, like a taboo or thing people can struggle with is just that like, well, what if, you know, there, you kind of think, well, there was no life or life outside the womb. So like, where was the purpose? But just to say, there's little pieces of purpose everywhere. God was nothing. Yes, exactly. I think any chance that, like I think about Indy and Archer and Ayla and how we just love sharing about them. Mm -hmm. These moms are no exception. Yeah. Like it feels so nice to be able to share that. It feels so nice to share what you can about that child. And I don't know. I just, I love that she got up there and spoke and I love that Sydney was talking about all the different little pieces because it's just, it's so true and it's so good because I mean, those are things that you don't necessarily think of as an outsider looking mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. but it, it definitely matters. And to honor those yeah, babies is yeah. so, so special. And kind of on that topic, I know one thing Sydney has always like advocated for, or at least for her, is she said one thing that really helped her was when people actually said Carmen's name, mm-hmm. like instead of, you know, like, or just hearing her name said, like she just wanted people to say her name, you know, not to say like, She's a person. Yes. Like, she has yes. a name. We don't have to tiptoe around exactly. it. Let's acknowledge exactly. her. Exactly. So I know she said, at least for her, that was one thing that was super helpful was just hearing her name mm-hmm. and having other people say her name. Um, so I'm going to finish with one more thing that she said. Um, again, reading this word from word because it's so good. And again, can't walk through this personally as a mother. But she said, right now I'm very passionate about trying to get correct information and available assistance to prospective parents prior to loss. There is such a gap in communication in our society and overall health for moms that tends to isolate lost parents. For how common miscarriage, stillbirth, and infant loss is, there's very little information given to parents until they have joined this club. So, so true. I know. So it's like, I know no mom, and you even touched on this earlier, no mom wants to think about or prepare for loss, but all of a sudden when you're in it, you don't know where to turn, what resources, exactly, exactly. And, and I think, yeah, you just feel alone. And so I know she's passionate about like, I guess in a sense, like wanting to prepare moms for that, or at least, you know, make sure people have the resources that, you know, if they have to walk through something like this, they know they're not alone. And the quicker that I think we can get to moms and to share that and let them know they're not alone, you know, I think the, obviously the less time they have to think that they're living alone in their grief and in their story and in their circumstance. Yeah. And that's not to say that like, 
you see two pink lines and it's like at your first appointment it's exactly. like here's your brochure on loss yes like that's and that's what's hard too is like i totally see what she's mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. and i just want to make it clear to all the listeners that's not what she means yeah, either. Yeah. like but i think to be able to understand that these are all the different outcomes yeah and the percentages are small but like it's just you know and it's, it goes back to postpartum mm-hmm. too we don't prepare moms for the hard stuff yeah you know and when no one's talking about it i mean again i'm about to give one more quote from her that i feel like is like the hard hitter but when no one's talking about it when it does happen to other people again they don't know what to do because no one's talking about it so right. if we just talked about it even again not that and i know this isn't what you're saying but not that it necessarily has to be like a pamphlet but like let's just talk about it let's just keep the conversation open so that if or when it does happen to people, you know, we know where to turn. We know how to support them. We know how to encourage them and can walk with people in grief better. And I don't know if Sydney knows this or not, but she really is touching so many lives and helping so many women, myself included. I know that when I was in my miscarriage, um, she has books, guys, like yeah. actual books. <laughs> and Bethany, I think you gifted me the chapter book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Also, the picture book. Mm -hmm. The picture book is my favorite of the two. The chapter book's great, too. But the picture book is And If You Can't. And it's just such a beautiful tribute. I I just remember reading that book and bawling. And now I get to read it to Indy. And it's like in honor of the first baby. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's so sweet. I just want to plug those little books, though, because they are such a good resource. And... They helped me in my healing, and I think they could help others too. And yeah. um, did you did you mention the nonprofit? The nonprofit is yes, I did mention she started her nonprofit, Carmen's Miracle Makers, which we will link in our show notes. We can also link the books. Yes, the children's book, and if you can't, I read to my children. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite book. It is so sweet, but just like Riley said, a sweet tribute. Um, I know she wrote it. It was like the last, she wrote it for Carmen. It was the last few words she wished she could have said to Carmen. And it's just, oh gosh, I cry every time I read it at night. And the other book was her still fighting book, which she talks about, again, just walking through her journey of grief. I know that one has like journal, passage, notes, questions, poems, all sorts of stuff. Available on Amazon. We will link them because they are great. And again, this is not the Sydney sponsor show, but... No, I mean, Riley they're and I, resources. Yeah, again, it's resources. And um, yeah, so we'll definitely link all of that. Um, and so what I want to close out with, again, is just something Sydney said, um, which is you don't have to worry about finishing the conversation. You just have to start it. So again, we're talking about the unspoken, the taboo things, especially about loss and grief. And I don't think... There has to be an ending or a conclusion necessarily, but let's just start talking about it. Let's just make sure moms out there know that they're not alone in this. And so with that, we're going to close out the episode today in a prayer just because we want to pray over all the moms. If you're listening and have experienced loss, we definitely want to pray over you and just pray that we can walk through grief better with people. So I'm going to close this out and then... We will see you guys next week for our final series in the Unspokens where we're going to be talking about the mental messes and mental stresses of motherhood. Lord, I just thank you that you have provided this space and time for us to just um, learn a little bit more about grief. Lord, to join the sweet, sweet mothers out there who have walked through loss I thank you for the stories that we share today, for the moms who are willing just to open up and be vulnerable. I pray that we would just honor those stories um, and hold them dear to our hearts. Father, I pray over the mom who has lost a child or who maybe even is currently walking through the grief of that loss. Father, would you just uphold them? Would you um, bring them a community? Would you comfort them? Show them your presence and let them know, Lord, that they are not alone. God, would you walk with them through every day, every moment, every minute, Lord. And either as friends or loved ones, Lord, may we just um, grieve with people the right way. Lord, we know that you in the Bible even grieved the loss of friends and you grieved with other people. 
And Lord, you cried and you felt every emotional emotion possible and known to man. So Lord, may we just lean into you for our encouragement and our hope, Lord. And again, we just thank you for the stories that were shared today and for your goodness and that, Lord, you use everything for good. Um, nothing is wasted. Nothing is not on purpose, Lord, but um, may we just take comfort in you and in your presence. So I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. And I guess that is all for this one. Um, it was a little bit more somber mm-hmm. than we like you know, things to be, but that's sometimes what the unspokens end up being, you know, those hard-hitting topics that, you know, aren't always rainbows and butterflies. And we will definitely be over on Instagram this week. We would like to offer some resources and uh, possibly even an opportunity to kind of honor um, people, mothers, babies alike that Mm -hmm. have, you know, gone through a similar situation. And um, we just hope that you guys will keep an eye out for that. And hopefully be able to share that information with anyone that you may know because the more people we can reach with support and encouragement, the better. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll catch you on Instagram until we see you next week for another episode. See ya. Bye. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to us, friend. If you felt encouraged by what you heard, please consider giving us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Unless you hated it, because like your mom always said, if you don't have anything nice to say, you don't say anything at all. And to officially join the motherhood, follow us on Instagram at themotherhood underscore moms. We always have ways to interact and we want to hear from you. Have a great week.